In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let us kneel. Let us pray for the souls of the faithful departed. O most loving God, Father of mercies, God of infinite goodness, behold me humbly, prostrate before thy throne. I pray and beseech thee to have mercy upon the holy souls in purgatory, especially the souls of my parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, benefactors, and friends, if they in fact suffer there. In thy mercy deliver them from their suffering and put them in possession of their everlasting inheritance. O Eternal Father, for the sake of the most precious blood of Jesus and the most bitter dolors of Holy Mary, have pity and compassion on the poor souls in purgatory. Amen. O Mary, Mother of Mercy, behold thy children, the redeemed of thy Son, imprisoned in purgatory. They call to thee from the depths of their misery. O show them the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May they rest in peace. Amen. Today is the 25th Sunday after Pentecost. We continue to proclaim with great faith and fervor, Jesus Christ is King. And as King, Jesus must reign in my mind, in my will, in my heart, and in my body. Christ the King reigns in my mind when I assent with perfect submission and firm belief to the truths revealed by God. That is, to the doctrines of Christ taught by His Holy Church. So, make Jesus the true King of your mind by firmly believing the truths revealed by God regarding death, judgment, purgatory, hell, and heaven. Flood your mind with thoughts of Christ's doctrine on death, judgment, purgatory, hell, and heaven. And purify your mind. Every single one of us needs a great purification of our mind. How do we do this? Purify your mind with thoughts of Christ's doctrine on death, judgment, purgatory, heaven, hell, and heaven. The more that we consider and contemplate Christ's doctrine is taught by His Holy Church on death, judgment, purgatory, hell, and heaven, the purer our minds are going to become. The more they're going to be trained, so to speak, in the truth. 
This morning, I want to go over a number of examples, mostly taken from Revelations to the Saints, brief teachings also by the saints and doctors of the church, but to go over some examples that help us and hopefully motivate us to think and consider Christ's doctrine on death, judgment, purgatory, hell, and heaven. One great advantage arising from the thought of purgatory, thinking about purgatory, is that it inspires one with a spirit of penance and self-denial. Because if one does penance for one's sins in this world, such expiation will not be required in the next. Reflecting well on purgatory leads one to the conclusion, I better settle my accounts with God now. I better take advantage of His mercy in order to satisfy His justice. I better pay my debts now while I can do so easily. This is my resolve and firm purpose to pay my debts now, to do penance for my sins now, so that I don't have to do that penance, so that I don't have to do expiation for those sins in the afterlife. It is the pious belief that the souls in purgatory, though they have no power to aid themselves, can obtain many graces for the living. Reverend Francisco Suarez, the celebrated Spanish Jesuit theologian of the 16th century, says, quote, The souls in purgatory are holy and dear to God. Their charity compels them to love us. And they know, at least in a general manner, to what perils we are exposed and what particular graces we most need from God's bounty. Why should they not intercede for us, even though they have still to expiate on their own behalf? Obviously, this truth about purgatory should motivate us to strengthen our bonds with the members of the church suffering, to pray for them, to offer Mass for them, to offer uh, Holy Communion and indulgences for them, so that they too may intercede and help us. St. Gertrude the Great, who, as hopefully some of you know, her feast day was three days ago on November the 16th. St. Gertrude the Great explains that those who have committed many and grievous sins are not assisted by the ordinary suffrages of the church until they are partly purified by divine justice. And that they cannot avail of the prayers of the faithful, which are constantly descending on the souls in purgatory, like a gentle and refreshing dew. St. Gertrude asked our Lord, quote, O my most loving Lord, what work or prayers will most easily obtain mercy from Thee for those poor souls 
so that they may be delivered from this terrible impediment which prevents them from obtaining the benefit of the prayers of the church. Close quote. Our Lord responded that what was most needed was love of God, fervor and purity of intention on the part of those praying for such a soul and that it also depended on the merit which the poor soul had acquired for himself or herself while on earth. Let us in particular try to remember this teaching given to St. Gertrude the Great because it pertains probably to many, many, many souls in purgatory and probably many souls in purgatory that we pray for. Because here it has to do with those Persons who committed many and grievous sins during their lifetime. That those souls are not assisted by the ordinary prayers of the faithful, our ordinary prayers and sacrifices, until they are partly purified by God's justice. Until, let's say, a certain point comes where they have made a certain amount of expiation for those sins. But remember St. Gertrude's question and the answer that our Lord gave her because St. Gertrude then was asking, well, what can we do to remove this impediment so that those souls, again, those persons that committed many and grievous injuries of life, so that they can, in fact, benefit from all the, let's say, normal prayers and indulgences, sacrifices of members of the church military. And the answer of our Lord is twofold. It's good for us to remember this, to motivate us to strive for this. One of the conditions pertains to the soul that's in purgatory. That it depends on the merit which that poor soul acquired for himself while on earth. And remember, every single day of our life, we can gain merit and we can increase in merit for heaven by being in a state of grace and doing good works praying our prayers with devotion, forgiving those who have offended us, making sacrifices, being faithful to our duties, practicing charity, bearing wrongs patiently, not getting back at people who harm us or hurt us, but meekly also offering that up, all ways that we can grow in merit. So that's one factor. The other one is also very important because it has to do with those of us that are here on this earth as members of church militant, Depending on how great our love of God is, how pure our love of God is, our fervor and our purity of intention, that's what can most effectively assist those souls so that they can then benefit from all the prayers of the church militant. So, I mean, basically it's why it's so important that we have saints among the members of the church militant those who have an immense love of God, a very pure love of God, a very pure intention and great fervor in their prayers. And it's obviously also why the ones who are most effective in helping the poor souls in purgatory throughout the history of the Catholic Church have been the saints. Again, talking about the saints while they're here on this earth and they can make expiation for the souls in purgatory. Saint Bede the Venerable, Doctor of the Church, 
relates that it was revealed to a holy servant of God that the souls of those who spend their whole lives in the state of mortal sin and are converted only on their deathbed are doomed to suffer the pains of purgatory until the day of the final judgment. After St. Vincent Ferrer had learned of the death of his sister, Francis, he at once began to offer up many fervent prayers and works of penance for the repose of her soul. He also offered 30 masses for her, at the last of which it was revealed to him that had it not been for his prayers and good works, the soul of his sister would have suffered in purgatory to the end of the world. Very many plenary indulgences can be gained for the souls in purgatory by praying the Stations of the Cross. The merit of this prayer, if applied to these souls, obtains great relief for them. We read in the life of Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich that the souls in purgatory often came to her during the night and specifically requested her to rise and pray the Stations of the Cross for their relief. We can assist the poor souls in purgatory not only by our prayers, devotions, exterior works of penance, almsgiving, and other works of charity, but we can also aid them by interior mortifications. Remember this. Anything that we suffer interiorly, whether physical suffering, it can be moral suffering, for example, we really are suffering greatly because we see the widespread sin and infidelity. For example, throughout the members of Holy Mother Church today, we see all the evil that is rampant in the church that can cause us great sorrow and suffering. Everything which appears to us difficult and which costs us a sacrifice and all the sufferings and troubles of this life may be offered up for the poor souls in purgatory with great efficacy. So again, an interior mortification can be this person that I cannot stand. Practicing patience, forgiving those who have injured me, even when it costs me, when it requires a sacrifice of me. These are examples of interior mortifications. Listen to the following example. This is a remarkable example of interior mortification. The only son of a rich widow in Bologna, Italy, was murdered by a stranger. The culprit fell into her hands, but the pious widow did not take revenge by delivering him up to the authorities. She thought. She started meditating. We could say purifying her mind with the truth of Christ and the example of Christ. She thought of the infinite love of our Savior when He died for us upon the cross and how He prayed for His executioners when dying. She therefore thought that she could in no way honor the memory of her dear son better 
and that she could do nothing more efficient for the repose of his soul than by granting pardon to the culprit, by protecting him, and by even adopting him as her son and heir to all her riches. Obviously, extremely difficult, a great sacrifice, interior suffering, interior sacrifice. This heroic self-denial and the sacrifice which she thereby offered to our Lord in memory of His bitter passion was so pleasing to God that in reward thereof He freed her son from all the pains of purgatory. The happy son soon appeared to his mother in a glorified state and thanked her for having thus delivered him from the sufferings of purgatory much sooner than any other good work could have effected it. Today, November the 19th, is the feast day of St. Elizabeth of Hungary. Some of you might know that St. Elizabeth of Hungary had a great devotion to helping and serving the poor and the hungry and the needy. Well, she also had an extraordinary affection for the souls of the faithful departed, the poor souls in purgatory. She frequently sewed with her own hands the shroud for the dead body or defrayed the funeral expenses of the poor. She also followed the funeral processions to the grave, praying fervently all the time that the Lord might be a merciful judge to His poor creatures. If any of her relatives died, she redoubled her prayers and supplications. After the death of her mother, Queen Gertrude, she never ceased offering up her fervent prayers and good works for the repose of her mother's soul. One night, her dead mother appeared to her with the most sorrowful expression and said to her, My dear daughter, come to the assistance of thy poor suffering mother. Oh, help by the increase of thy prayers, for I am suffering frightful tortures on account of the many sins for which I have not done penance. I implore thee, by all which I have ever done and suffered for thee, to do all thou canst to release me. Grieved and horrified, Elizabeth immediately arose from her couch and with many tears and prayers appealed to the mercy of God. After a time she was overcome by sleep in this act of charity. Then she had a second vision of her mother, but this time she was quite different to behold. She was overflowing with joy and happiness and from her lips poured words of thanks and blessings upon her daughter because her fervent prayers had opened for her the gates of heaven. And even while still a child, so parents, listen carefully so that you can instill this in your children. Have a great example of Saint Elizabeth of Hungary today, Saint on what she was doing for the poor souls as a child. Even while still a child, St. Elizabeth had the habit of leading her little playmates to the churchyard, saying, Just think, one day we too shall be dust. 
Then she would lead them to the building where the dead corpses were piled and say, These people once lived and breathed as we do and are now dead. We too shall die. Therefore, we ought to love God very much and constantly pray to Him. Then she would make them kneel around her and she would say, Oh my God, in memory of thy painful death and for the love of thy most blessed mother, deliver the souls of the departed from their sufferings. O Jesus, deliver them for the sake of thy five holy wounds. We have another example in St. Christina Mirabilis. In English, that's Christina the Astonishing. Christina the Astonishing was born in Brustem, Belgium in 1150. Christina was born into a peasant family and orphaned when she was very young. Her mystical gifts began to unfold from the age of 21 when she suffered a seizure and was pronounced dead. She's called Christina the Astonishing because, astonishingly, during her Requiem Mass, after the Agnus Dei, she sat up in her coffin. As though this wasn't enough, eyewitnesses say that she then flew up into the rafters of the church from where she refused to come down because of the stench of the sins of the people who had gathered there. When she was eventually ordered to come down by the priest, she related that she had been actually dead, that she had gone down to hell and there recognized many friends, and to purgatory, where she had seen more friends, and then to heaven. Christina explained that she had been offered a choice either to remain in heaven or return to earth to perform penances to deliver souls from the flames of purgatory. Christina agreed to return to life on earth and do the necessary penance. And it was at that very moment that she arose in her coffin. She told those around her that she returned to life on earth for the sole purpose of bringing relief to the departed souls in purgatory and for the conversion of hardened sinners on earth. Let us make an effort to keep in mind the very valuable advice of St. Alphonsus Liguori, doctor of the church, quote, It is a practice very profitable for our eternal salvation to say often to ourselves, I must one day die. Close quote. And obviously to think about that. It's not just a question of saying it. It's thinking about it. And St. Alphonsus Liguori says, quote, Happy is he who lives with eternity always in view, with a lively faith that he must shortly die and enter into eternity. Close quote. So, happy is he who's always thinking, what is going to be my eternity? Where will I be forever and ever and ever?
In the year of our Lord, 1815, the young Louis Francis de Bouvet died near Amiens, a city just north of Paris, France. He was only 14 years old. But he was ready for heaven. So innocent and holy had been his life. Such solid virtue in so tender a youth was due to the thought of hell. Again, thinking, flooding one's mind, purifying one's mind with the truths of Christ, the doctrines of Christ taught by His church with regard to death, judgment, purgatory, hell, heaven. One day while still a small child, he was seated at his mother's side before a warm fire. Mama, he asked her, could the fire of hell be as hot as this? His mother responded, Alas, my child, this fire is nothing in comparison to hell. Well, what if I should fall into it? He said with great fear. Hell, said his mother, is only for unrepentant sinners. If you keep away from sin, you have nothing to fear. This idea was engraved in the heart of Louis Francis. It was the source of his sorrow of sin and of his holy life. And finally, we conclude with words inspired by the Holy Ghost himself. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Quote, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Close quote. Again, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Quote, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. Close quote. You will be judged by God at your death. The moment your soul leaves your body. And you will be judged at the very spot where you breathe your last. Everything you ever thought, said and did shall come under God's judgment. This is something to think about when we are thinking of the judgment. Everything I have ever thought, said, and done shall come under God's omnipotent judgment. Prepare now for your judgment, for you know neither the day nor the hour. You will be judged. This is a certainty. The result shall be your eternity, either in heaven or in hell. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.